Good afternoon, everyone. You're welcome once again to Sportsline Show here on Scarab Bay Community Radio in association with Derek Quedrid Union on the 88.3 FM, 92.7 FM and on the tuning app. And on today's show, I'm joined as always by co-presenter Pat McNamara and our special guest this weekend is well-known uh, journalist uh, with the Clare Echo, a man who's uh, a, a Sportsman himself and played with his beloved market in the Senior Hurling Championship this year. A man very good to see here on Scarab Bay Community Radio. It will be Parik McMahon. And now we're joined on the line and my man making a return here to the airwaves on Scarab Bay Community Radio. A man who was consumed by his own participation in the Senior Championship with, with um, his beloved market. And unfortunately they came a cropper in, in the quarterfinals. So uh, we're now delighted to have uh, Parik McMahon uh, back on the airwaves. Parik, you're welcome. Thanks, Leo. Thanks, Pat. Parik, nice to hear from you. First of all, Parik, unfortunately, you know, your own beloved Newmarket out of the championship race. <coughs> and in fairness to you, you kept your counsel throughout the whole championship, and, and as you said, until until the race was run. For yourselves, I know it was, um, you were hoping to go a bit longer. What's your own synopsis of the year? Is it progress or is it back to the drawing board maybe for Newmarket, Parik? Yeah, well, I'd uh, I'd love to not be talking to you for another week, another few weeks, and that we'd still be in the hunt for it. But uh, unfortunately, as you say, we're 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 gone out. And um, you know, good good for the market in a sense that we got to the knockout stages again for two years in a row, having maybe flirted with relegation uh, in in recent years on on two occasions. So, you know, I suppose then it, yeah, as a whole as well, you haven't got to the semi final the last year. You'd have hoped to maybe get there. And, and kick on again and obviously that game against Bellier kind of came down to a puck of a ball so again it was a sense of frustration which it normally is when you exit, exit the championship that we probably didn't do or so we definitely didn't do ourselves justice against Cratlow who were very good um, and they were very effective and have been very effective all year so credit to them on that one but um, a big plus from the year which maybe went under the radar was the fact that we regained Division 1A status, which is going to be a big thing for us next year in terms of um, player development and exposing lads to higher games, higher quality games against you know the top teams in the county. So that's um, a step forward in that way. Um, and Championship obviously didn't go as far as we'd like. Um, haven't really put the finger on why that just happened, but um, just disappointed to be out of it, of course. But... Um, Look, we could have been doing we could have been doing a lot worse over the last few weeks as well. There's no doubt about that. And Parik, looking at the, the senior championship and looking to the semi finals this weekend and you know, I suppose to a lot to all intents and purposes, probably the big four, the bridge uh, playing a rogue <coughs> and, and, and Bellier playing Cretlo. You know, I suppose your thoughts on, on those four? Yeah, I, I suppose in, in fairness, it's throughout the championship as a whole, these are probably the most consistent teams that have meant to, made it. You know, Bellier started very well, had a bit of a dip against that game against Cratlow, whereas Cratlow have just been consistently going well. You know, and I think seem to have done the move to Shane Neville back to wing back, I think it actually been very, very good for them and their their movement up front is very good. Podge Collins, Reen Constantine, Carl McInerney, Carl in the half forward line is really coming into it and I think he's captain this year and he's really making the most of that role. Um, Six Mile Bridge sure have been absolutely flying it and racking up massive scores um, and maybe the worry for Sean Stack is they probably haven't been tested at all at all in the championship but like we're looking at the scores Shane Golden is getting week in week <coughs> out and Jamie Shannon and for me Shane Amori from what I've seen has been the player of the championship so far um, uh, he's an absolutely 
flying form and is kind of at the heartbeat of everything they're doing. And then your oak maybe might have been a bit slow starting, but they're really catching fire at the minute. Um, the form of Gavin Cooney in the football and the hurling is exceptional, and then Shane O'Donnell is proven to be to be unmarkable. So they they you know they're flying it as well. So probably the four best teams are in it. I think you'd have to have a bit of sympathy for for Kilmaley. I know they they got their heavy second round defeat to Cooney Quinn, but they've only lost two competitive games all year and didn't get out of their group. Um, and then I suppose you'd, you'd probably have to pat Tommy Corbett and Cluny Quinn on the back that he took a gamble on youth and you know they had a very progressive group campaign that got out of it and um, just came came up short I suppose in the second half against Ballier but I think really I think that this year's championship will really stand to Cluny Quinn going forward. Yeah, and as as we speak at Cluny Quinn, there first of all as you said Tommy <coughs> Corbett, you know Cluny were in that famous debacle of the relegation conundrum last year. In fairness to Corbett, he nailed his colours to the mast for and Barry, uh, his coach Barry Corbett for the first round against Scarif, put in six newcomers. Like it's, you know, unusual to go to go in with so many. Uh, but it is uh, like there's no doubt the underage in Clooney is coming on a ton, and they're in the minor fi- hurling final as well, and they're going to be forced to be reckoned with in the next number of years. So I suppose Tammy took the bull by the horn and said, "Here, we blood him in now and and get him ready." Absolutely, and and you said it there. Like they're they're when when a club is in a a lot underage, it's kind of the argument I'd say the whole time. You will reap the rewards if you're competing in a properly and maybe getting to the knockout stages and just blooding a few players the whole time. And then as well, like as you mentioned, fantastic work going on in the school. Fergal Lynch and Donna Murphy among those leading the charge in, in Queen National School, and like they're reaping the rewards. There's there's such a huge emphasis put on it, and and the club, obviously the population <coughs> of Queen is is quite high. Um, so they're they're capitalising on that, and I I agree a hundred percent with you that I think they're going to be a serious force um, in the next couple of years, and you know I'd expect them to be back in the county's final by the time Peter Duggan retires, and um, I think I think Peter will be hoping he'll he'll finish up getting acquainted with Cannon Hamilton um, before his club career is over. That would be nice to to see. Actually, I suppose you know from an individual. Warrior point of view that he would possibly, but uh, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before that. Speaking on on the same topic, you mentioned population and and you know growth of, of the likes of Quinn there, um, Porig. You know there seems to be nearly now a concentration, if you gradually over over recent years of, you know the clubs close a few miles from Ennis, the clubs in miles from Shannon, that part of Clare, uh, within maybe ten twelve miles of Ennis Shannon, kind of beginning to nearly dominate completely, and as you go towards the periphery. Even Clare, for instance, have a population, but you know they haven't been doing the business. Go up around East Clare, up to North Clare, uh, and okay, I suppose I Kilnamona threatened, but they are close to Kilnamona. Is only four or five miles out of business. Is the strength being condensed? Do you think and will be into the clubs in that kind of a confined region? Population with populations um, as there. Well, I don't think so, but like I, I the population is something I, I just kind of be interested in because I'd just be following Clare County Council meetings obviously almost religiously and <coughs> the big debate which which Jim Collins and the lads in the local media show have covered is the the whole issue of wastewater infrastructure and villages being without treatment plants and to cut a long story short if the way the county development panel work if they're not zoned um, to, you know or if they don't have those wastewater treatment plants they won't be zoned for residential housing which means there won't be more, more housing developments, which means there won't be people coming in, which means the numbers then hurling football in these areas um, won't be as high. And 
Joe Garrahy, a councillor from Liston Varen, has often said, do we want do we want to see county football finals where it's Airog A versus Airog B rather than Airog versus St Brickens or Airog B Lissy Casey? But um, I think one of the areas, Pat, maybe outside of the catchment that you're saying, Tulla is really set to benefit. You know, we're seeing yeah, all the plans yeah, for, yeah. for housing going there. And, um, you know, without jumping onto the intermediate championship here in the semi-final, I have a great chance to get up. So I think Tulla will definitely have to make hay while the sun is shining in terms of the population boom that they're going to get. Yeah. There's no doubt about that, and we'll get on to Tulla <coughs> in, in a minute, Parik. But looking at the senior game, so we have, uh, you know, the bridge near Rogan, as you said, you, you'll be well acquainted having come up against Six Mile Bridge in, in, in the first round. And you're probably the only ones really to give them a test um, of any kind of a game in the championship so far this year. You know, they've met one another so often now, and uh, you know, Eroke just find it hard to get over the bridge, and probably should have nailed them two or three times, but just just seemed to come up short. They did, but then if we go back to last year's quarter final, that Eroke had a great win over them, but yeah. then that nearly turned out to be Eroke's county final, and that they didn't uh, didn't kick on the goods again in the semi final against Dinah Kilnamona. But I think for me, this one, I don't know who's going to win it yet, but I think a lot of it is going to come down to. What happens with Shane O'Donnell? Are Six Mile Bridge going to sacrifice their best player in Shane Amori by getting him to mark Shane O'Donnell, which is then taking away their key attacking threat, Shane, which is who is creating nearly all the attacks um, just to mark Shane O'Donnell. Whereas maybe the times where Six Mile Bridge have come up with trumps against Dear has been, you know, due to the presence of a sweeper. Um, but this is a very different management team who are going to be very keen to put their own stamp on it. And I think. Um, I don't think they'll play a sweeper, and that's that's going to make that may possibly help Eirog, but um, it's it's kind of a it's it's almost a catch twenty two that Sean Steck and his management are probably going to have to sacrifice Shane O'Moore just to to quieten Shane O'Dan. Yeah, and following on that point, and um, probably very important, you know, I suppose Sean Steck would be very much of the old school, and you know, he's definitely not offended the sweeper, but. God, I, I, I find it very hard to see him going out against the rogue the weekend without going back to the sweeper system. But of course, these men want to prove a point as well that they're going to do it their way. And, you know, I look at um, even the man who's prolific in the scoring is Denny Russell. And, you know, he's really feeding off O'Donnell as well. And, you know, the rogue, as you, know, as you well know, started the championship, you know, the first evening in Mealy and their first half was appalling. But ever since then, they've been very, very impressive. Have um, absolutely, and I think Gavin Cooney has, has been reinforced from this year. Darren O'Brien maybe hasn't been going as well, which is disappointing for Darren, obviously, but also for the fact that he's on the clear yeah, so it should be stepping up a bit more. Um, like I think if it is going to be the matchup, if it's Jarlett Collins and David Kennedy, then at the other end, that'd be very interesting as well. Like David Kennedy, while Six Mile Bridge maybe have had it easy, he's been on fire, he's really. Lively and takes a lot of watching. Um, yeah, he brought his so college form into the championship. There's no doubt about that. Yes, yes. And then, like the other thing that I haven't even said yet is, is Kieran Russell didn't play Free Rogue in their win over Clandegad because of an injury. Um, he probably would have came on if he was needed, but he wasn't needed. So, any little niggle like that, if, if Kieran Russell was to start and then go off, that'd be a huge psychological blow because he's such a leader to the Free Rogue team. Um, so it's like Shane, Oga- Shane Golden has been in exceptional form too so he's going to have to bring it out and then just talking injuries again Six Mile Bridge not having Cahill Malone another huge loss he's yeah. been such a key figure for, for Six Mile Bridge beating Euro <coughs> when they had in, in the last couple of years 
And Parik, I suppose one of the pluses for the bridge, of course, and you know another man you were talking about injuries has who had been much maligned with injuries is Jamie Shanahan, and great to see him back on the field to play, and he just adds so much to Six Mile Bridge Parik. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, very effective at eleven, and kind of drops back to midfield almost, and can be, you know, he link the play, or else if he's left too loose, he's more than capable of putting the ball between the two posts. Very good in the freeze. Um, and being managed very well by, by Sean Stack, as I said, he's, he's struggling with injuries. He's maybe not doing the same as everyone else in training, but he's producing the goods. And then in games where they've had maybe the game sewn up before full-time, Sean has made a decision to, to take Jamie off and give him the rest. So he'll be he'll be a big player. So you'd imagine it's maybe going to be Jamie, Shannon, Shane Gould and be picked by Kieran Russell and possibly Aaron Fitzgerald. So they are... You know, there's so many matchups in this one that's going to be it's going to be a very interesting one to watch. And sorry, um, Parry, do you think that Shane O'Donnell has enough of a supporting cast up front? I mean, you've mentioned about four of the bridge forwards; they are going well, which and maybe more of them are going well. But we'll say you mentioned Gavin Cooney correctly. I was very impressed today. We watched him, but is the supporting cast with with, with Shane O'Donnell good enough as well? I know David Reid is there, I suppose as well. But you know, you mentioned two or three forwards there, maybe not going that well as well. Yeah, it's going to, you're, you're dead right, Pat, it's going to be a massive game for the likes of Oren Cahill and Darren O'Brien. You know, they're going to really have to step up and when it comes to the, the business end, like the semi-finals, you need everyone firing <coughs> to get over the line um, and that's why your rogue need. D- Danny Russell as well, you know, he hasn't let your rogue down, he's been such a key player yeah. as well and David Reedy has been going going okay but yeah. like if David Reedy was to produce a stellar performance to be a huge huge lift for your rogue and like I don't think we can underestimate the benefit why some people would say dual commitments can, can take its toll I think the fact your rogue's footballers winning last year has given a big bounce to the club um, you know they're going for junior A title as well at the That's weekend right. yeah. so they're in the business end of those three competitions and you know they're confident the chests are out and, and um, they're, they're, they're hopeful and fairly confident that they'll take a scalp at the weekend and Parik, there's, you know, as you said, Eroga going well, but definitely the support is following him. The crowd is out. You know, there's a good, a good Tony support following him. You know, so the momentum. You know, they're going, they're, they're going on the momentum that definitely of last year. And there's no doubt they, they think that they're capable of a clean sweep here. Oh, there, yeah, yeah, no, they're um, like I say, they're they're not saying it too loud, but they're they're looking to emulate Cratlow in 2014 and winning the double. Um, but like the, the thing that Cratlow had no injury so like I just again maybe emphasise enough here on Russell's yeah. fitness is going to be massive yeah. the whole thing like just from the psychological viewpoint or even if he's not there he's such a huge loss huge loss he's a leader defense. back there yeah um, and that's like I think okay I'm saying Shane O'Donnell is probably key for your oak to win it but I think for Six Mile Bridge then it's the other end it's, can they maybe exploit a few a few gaps in the Oak defence we've seen we're seeing the scores Six Mile Bridge are putting up they're, they're very impressive and like you know, Six Mile Bridge obviously don't want have Alex Moore or or Cahill as a then They'll need David Kennedy. It's going to be the, the white heat of championship property. It's a big test. It's a big you test know. for him. A big test for him, and he's going to need the likes of Brian Curry, who's who you know was dropped for for the white kick game. You know, so still has maybe maybe a point to prove to this management, um, and then you know you're you're looking at the likes of Kyle Lynch is more there's an industrious player, so. Would they, you know, they're going to need Kyle to obviously bring his work rate that he does bring, which maybe to chip in with a couple of scores as well, because that, as I said, that year old defence has to be tested. And Parag, at the end of the day, who would you see coming out in this one then to get to the final? Um, I I think it all comes down to to Shane O'Donnell and Shane Amori. Um, like what they do there, they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. 
I, I kind of nearly give a nod to Six Mile Bridge, but I could see your old easily winning it as well. And the fact that it's I'm nearly contrasting or contradicting myself that, that this is Six Mile Bridge's only focus, that there's no distraction of anything else. Yeah. And, yeah. and like just, I suppose, not to go into the politics of it, but like given all the water that's gone under the, the bridge, there's a this bit of be. pressure on Sean Stack and the lads to to get a result so they'll have them well fired up I, I think it's going to I hope it's going to be a cracker of a game um, I can see it going either way yeah and then turning in to, to Betty and Cresslow and both of these teams will be very disappointed you know to obviously they're already concentrating on the one championship both exiting the football championship uh, last weekend and you know does as you said like Eirog winning the county final last year was a, is a major boost to the club and we, we, we see that with the crowds that follow them this year is it you know how do Betty and Cret do react now I know they're well used to it. react to a defeat and then come back and try and prime yourself up for the, your, your next game albeit in the Holland Championship the following weekend Park. yeah it's 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 a tough one like you could you could wallow in it and kind of feel sorry for yourself or else they could grab the, the bull by the horns and say isn't it great we have another opportunity to get straight back into it um, speaking from past experience we'd only love to jump into another thing and get occupied yeah. by it when you're straight off the wheel so um, it, it can leave an effect um, but I, I think you know, <coughs> there's learnings from it Cratlow might be in a slightly better position if we're just going after football in that you know one or two things just went against him whereas Clandegad were outmatched by Euro for yeah. the whole game and weren't going to beat him um, so and I just, I don't know, I just think this Cratlow team, that the generation of them that are there, I know they won the under-17 and have a couple of promising hurlers there, but there's a small bit of a gap. And just keep the age profile, we're seeing Lee Markham is flying home from England every weekend. I think those guys, they're very smart, they're very intelligent. They know the chances to get to the final don't come around every often, um, every year. <coughs> they were last there, I think, 20, 2019 against the bridge. They lost, they, they haven't even been in the semi-final since then. So... Like the the years go by fairly quickly, so I I just have a feeling those Cratlow guys will will have bounced back from that football fairly quickly, um, and will be will be eager to make the most of this opportunity. And Paul, you can never talk about Ballet, of course, without talking about Tony Kelly. And uh, I think the general feeling is that Tony hasn't hit the heights he's capable of in the championship yet. Now Tony is one man who'll be able to time his run well and produce when needed. I mean, he, he's an absolute. I mean, he's probably at his peak is the best holder in the country. Most of us agree, but um. You know, even I met his father during, during in, in Ennis last week and he, he said he just isn't going that great and not sure why, but that might just be talk as well. But the point is, Cratlow look very balanced in terms of all over the field that they have lads playing to form. He's just very intelligent, able to manage the football and the hurling. I don't think, I don't know if they finish games always that well, but if Tony Kelly isn't flying it, you'd imagine Cratlow nearly have the aces here. I think so. Yeah, that'd be that'd be very very accurate assessment. But then, if Tony Kelly catches fire, we need the whole emergency services in, in clear <laughs> to assist Cratlow to try to try contain him. Um, I, and I, I just don't know what it is with Belly. It, I don't know. Is it psychological again that they were automatically everyone said they're going to get out of that group, so they probably weren't tested ultimately. I don't know. They just seemed incredibly flat in their game against Cratlow, and their players were even scratching their head like because you know you look you looked at it from from the start of the year and um, before a ball was cooked in this championship and you'd say Jean Bellier they won the championship last year and Tony was injured 
and now they have Grodo O'Connell back in the mix and now they've Cahal Doohan back in the mix um, but I, I don't know personally I, I maybe think Grodo O'Connell is slightly wasted cornerback unless he's on a man marker job which he, he will be no doubt this week this weekend um, and like a lot of it last year you know Pierce Lillis I thought was one of the best best players in, 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 in the club game last year for Clare just through his industrious work rate alone but Gary Brennan is an absolutely massive loss for, for Ballier. He just, he seemed to take it all together and he'd deceptively fast, getting away from anyone, creating chances. And um, But I think, you know, while people say maybe Tony hasn't gone as well as he can, that'll all be forgotten about if he has a storm in semi-final and gets to final again. No one would really remember who played well in round one. Um, so I think, I, I just don't know, I didn't get to see as much of him um, since the Cratlow game, but uh, Ballier just seemed very off that day. They got going against Clooney Quinn, got over the line and did so comfortably. Um, they they do. I, I feel Antony is, is going to hit the groove yeah. um, this weekend. And I just don't know, like the last day they had set up with Dahi Collins on him and um, Dahi, very hard-working player, very industrious as well, gets through a lot of good work. But um, I don't know, do Cratlow have a man-marker? Um, specifically, like Dave Collins is carrying a bit of a knock as well, Dave, Dave went off injured in their loss to Kilmurray Brick and it was a huge loss as well. Um, and Dermot Ryan going very well at centre-back. But like if, if Bellier just, they, they can set up very smart as well. Like Pierce Lillis would be capable of maybe occupying Dermot Ryan yeah. and making sure he doesn't get to bomb forward and pop <coughs> up with the two or three points. Like they're, they're two two very smart teams from, from what I can see in just their use of possession. And I think that's actually aided by their... their um, they're playing football as well. They just they're smart with the ball and their movement off the ball is very good. So um, I think it'll be a much better game than it was when when they met in the group stage. And and Park, you mentioned earlier on there, Cahill McInerney, you know, a new, a new role for him at wing forward uh, this year. Maybe tracking back the field even a lot further than he did in in, in other days. And I suppose. The analogy of Cahill a lot of time was he was a great finisher and maybe didn't have the required rock rate throughout the field. That has changed quite a lot this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a master stroke from from Connor early and uh, the management and giving him the captaincy. He's uh, really embraced it with open arms. He's been probably has been uh, long patch. He's been excellent as well. Reen Constein is getting a goal per game almost, but Cahill has been has been one of their top performers too, um, and really impressive causing opposing back lines a huge amount of problem. And again, he's just a smart player. His movement is kind of drifting back to midfield a lot. And, you know, he's just, maybe he's popping the ball back to the person who gave it to him or else he's, he's pinging a good ball into Podge or, or Reen Constant. Like they just, <coughs> their familiarity in playing with each other is, is very good um, and their link-up play is excellent. And Parik, who would you see coming out in to, to meet uh, the bridge? As you said, as you picked in the first game, who do you see will be? Is it going to be a derby match again between Cretlow in the bridge, or do you see uh, Bellier uh, turning over Cretlow? Well, like, um, like I wouldn't be surprised if if they all were to qualify the other side, but just from the outset, I kind of tipped Bellier and the bridge to meet each other in the final. So I just I kind of stick with that, but uh, in no way right now Cretlow were all. But I just think I think Tony Tony will deliver for Bellier. Um, and I think he'll get he'll get a bit of assistance from as ever from I think Bellier will bring the work rate that we know Bellier can bring. Um, but again, in no way would I be surprised if Cretlow are, are back in the final either. Yeah, we look forward to all seeing our semi finals with, with interest uh, this weekend. As you said, anything uh, can happen. Uh, Parik, we turn to the intermediate semi finals and 
our only East our only East Clare representation in anything this year is Tulla uh, flying the flag here for us they're in the intermediate semi-final against Six Mile Bridge's second team and we'll probably carry the favourites tag into this one yeah they, they, they definitely will uh, carry the favourites tag for this one started a bit slow with their, with their surprise defeat in round one but they've got going now and um, maybe getting a bit of a bounce off, off the Tulla Arctic Cup win Sean Wishcombe was is bringing his form for that into the championship as well, um, and then you know possessing someone of David McInerney's ability is um, they're maybe a bit unique in that to his experience and his class and his pedigree, um, and it, it's a it's a it's a window that Tulla will need to capitalise on. Obviously, with the two teams coming down, two East Clare teams in Whitegate, Smith O'Brien's that that Tulla maybe wouldn't like to come up against, and no one would like to be coming up against them next year. And then we've two two coming down the year after so I think all four left have to maximise their, their chance of getting to it Tulla definitely the favourites and, and should get off the line but again six, my bridge must be applauded like Ennis Diamond in the, the football for getting yeah. to the semi-finals of both you know senior and intermediate no mean feat and there's some very good horrors on that six mile bridge team like um They'd be starting for a lot of senior teams. The likes of Sean McNamara there is a, is a hand. Yeah, he's probably day. he's probably a senior in weight. They <coughs> would presume. I, I think so. And like obviously they've lost David Kennedy and Leon Kelly from later on in the year. But you know they've a county championship winning captain and Aidan Quilligan at the anchor of their defence as well. Um, and former county miners Dylan Downs and um, Tiernan Agnew on it. And Carr yeah. Agnew there wing back is is having a very good um, campaign. I've been very impressed with him. He's very good in the air. Um, and contributed very well and a lot of just a lot of good hurlers Adam Breen Killian Custy a lot of good six mile bridge hurlers there that you know they're they're well used to getting clear cup experience with their team and sure they're obviously training in alongside with the with the seniors mm. and it is you know it is an advantage forget, it's, it's, it is and we must not forget that it's John O'Mara that's one of the main men on this team like in John as of course guided six mile bridge bridge to win yeah. three championships and you know he's with Patrick Swell now so it's highly thought of and um, it, it won't be easy for Tulla by any means, but they should they should um, get over the line. I suppose probably the question about Tulla is, will the real Tulla please stand up? You know, they've been very inconsistent and, you know, they've actually, they've, you know, even though they were in the semi-final last year, they didn't really play play great. You know, they were in ahead against Smith O'Brien's at half-time and just seemed to capitulate. And then they came out this year and lost to Ogunlon the first game and... Then kind of blitzed, blitzed uh, Bodike away and Einik in the morning away. You know, it was a funny group. And then the last day against Pertin, they struggled. And maybe if Pertin had Jack or Young Hickey for the whole for the whole game, like he picked up an injury just after half time, it could be Pertin. Maybe could have been in the semi final rather than Tulla. So Tulla just need to be maybe a small get a bit more consistent. Oh yeah, absolutely. And as you say, like their form hasn't hasn't been great really since they've come down to intermediate and Kel Surprise, that's why they're still intermediate. I remember we were in Shannon, I think 2020, 2021, and Scarif beat him. Um, and not a that Scarif beat him in that game. Um, Scarif obviously went on to, to win promotion. But the, yeah, they're just, and maybe Kevin <coughs> had maybe, I know the lads that have given great service, but of course, but uh, they just nearly seem to have a too, too many old bodies where they've implemented couple more of the young lads and, and even seeing they have a bit of a bit of an impact off the bench like seems like William Halpin isn't a regular starter every day and you know there's just in a way the likes of him Andrew Conheedy would love him to be a bit more consistent as we say and um, you know if they were to bring the real game a handful um, for most teams to deal with but I think 
But I really think for Tulla, this is a year they could jump up, and if they don't, I'd I'd be worried they could be intermediate for a couple of years. Yeah, and and I suppose that, as you said at the outset to close it, um, Parag, if Tulla aren't at their best and continue to improve on on the farm, that bridge team is well capable of, of getting to the final. No question about it. They have the holders. So Tulla, with their, with, their, with their flagship team, really will have to pull out all the stops to be, to, to just make sure that they're not caught by a, a well-able-to-hurl bridge team. Oh, yeah. No, if they, if they if they don't perform, and as Leo says, if the wrong toilet ends up, yeah. they, they, won't, they won't get through this. Um, you know, and it'd be very foolish, and I don't think they would underestimate this bridge team, but if they did, um, they'll really be, they'll be exiting <coughs> their castle with their heads down and, and out of the championship. But, they, yeah, they really need to, to bring a performance. And I think beating Partine will give them a lift. Partine had been flying it, obviously, you know, with a couple of injuries they picked up um, and, you know, hindered them. But yeah, Partine had been very impressive. So for Tullet to take them down um, was, was, you know, vital for them. And, yeah. and maybe they are going to catch fire at the right time. You know, as I said, they didn't go, get going in the first round. But slowly, slowly the wheels are turning from yeah, and we, we wish Tulla, and of course we wish the bridge the best look in that, but Tulla, as we said, playing the East Clare flag. Corofin and St. Joseph's, um, Parik, this is an interesting game. They came out of the same group in, in the in the championship. And, you know, Corofin upset many people's favourites in, in Tubber, quite convincingly the last day in the quarterfinal. Yeah, um, the thing with Corofin... I think they they hadn't been overly impressive in the group and needed to win in their last game against Sunlara to get out. But I, I I don't know now whether I I have the theory that they were just they just wanted to that was what exactly what they wanted to just get in there in the third position and then get going because obviously they've their football commitments because I even have the same thing of a fella that's involved and there was a glint in his eye that said you're right so I'm I'm taking it that I was right yeah um. So the, uh, yeah, I think I think I think Curafin have actually a great chance, and they'll be on a high after beating Tubber. I wasn't surprised that they beat Tubber. I think Curafin have a bit more strength and depth than than Tubber do. Tubber had been going well, um, and then the view from the Tumber camp was maybe that they weren't tested properly. Bar their game with St Joseph's Door Airfield in the group um, <coughs> up until the Curafin game, and um, nothing like a, a North Clare derby to to get things going for Curafin. And then on the flip side. Or Bearfield, um, Aaron Landy ruled out through injury is a big loss to their defence. And to be honest, I think that's where Curafin can win it. Is they just have, um, you know, and I know when any times Gareth Bay have covered it, you've been very impressed with Jim McCall, and he's a live wire for any any attack. And he's, you know, he's going to be key to it. Gerard Cahill, obviously his brother, he's going very well. Um, just have a lot of players that you know that have the experience of being on um, county development and Flennans that's playing with Flennans as well yeah, you know, <coughs> Rory a lot of them you can listen about now I know Keelan O'Connor got a knock playing the football as well but you know he's the guy, a guy like him is only kind of coming in to, coming in coming off um, they've the, the couple of experienced lads as well you know I think I really do think Curfin have a great chance um, but it's, you know Bearfield have been out of the football then unlike Curfin so they've had plenty of time to, to concentrate you know and I've and I have actually seen them a couple of times and have been very impressed but again uh, that was at times was against poor opposition but yeah. it St. Joseph's Door Bearfield very effective when um, in terms of their goal getting goals you know they know how to get goals and know how to finish them the Hannans particularly well good at cutting through um, 
defences, but one thing that I have, have seen with St. Joseph's Dorby Field um, that is, would be a cause for concern is their discipline. Um, be that players mouthing on the pitch or getting sent off. Um, they played in America in, in one game in, in, their, in their group game and had a player sent off when the game was wrapped up with 60 minutes on the clock. And a vital player um, he was too. A vital player, kind of Tierney, to get sent off. So, you know, <coughs> things like that. And of course, you know, they, they while they wouldn't have been happy with the, the refereeing in the last year's intermediate final, it was freeze that lasted for against Smith O'Brien's in the rain. But Tommy Redden only glad to put the, the ball between the posts from place balls. So, that, like that's a thing, you know. Michael Gilfoyle haven't fired it up again. Similar to Tulla, I think. While I think Kerfin, I could see them if they weren't to prevail this year. I could see them getting back to senior in the next couple of years. I think it'd be a massive blow for both St Joseph's and Tulla if they didn't get through the window this year um, in the, in the intermediate. Yeah, and, and of course Tulla, Kilalu got rid of both of them last year, getting rid of Tulla in the semi final and St Joseph's in the final. So look, it's all it's all to play for. And again, we look forward to these games at interest the weekend. Also, we have seen a B uh, Parik a quick of Clanlair and brought for Fiekel in the Mills. To all intents and purposes, Parik, is there much real interest in this senior B competition? Or would players, you know, do they want it? Or would they rather much have it out of the way, just not have to play it at all? Um, I, I think it would depend on on the time of year. Like we had the championships, if they were on a few weeks earlier, it would be good to have them. But now that we're in, you know, we're in October now, the evenings are gone. While it's great to get players meeting together, I, there just doesn't seem to be any motivation for the senior B. Um, and like, sure, there was even talk and reports that Kilmaley were, were going to see, consider not even fielding, yeah. um, which they effectively might as well not have given <coughs> the, the beating they took off Broadford. Mm. But, um, I, I don't think there's much motivation in it. Like we, we did see, um, was it was a 2009, my year to be around, Crusheen won the senior B and then they went went on to win the senior senior eight the year after sometimes it can be used well um, from that concept in terms of if you want to blow a few lads and get them extra games and try things out and give them a flavour of winning but you know Clonlair have won the last two senior B's and it actually hasn't helped them at all um, from championships so I personally wouldn't be a fan of it if we were in it I wouldn't have much motivation yeah. to, to be playing senior B and it's not it's not it's the competition no one wants to be in come the start of the year and then when you're in it you don't really want to be there either Although, Paul, you could see Broadford probably taking it fairly seriously because I suppose like one of those teams borderline senior relegation and thankfully staying senior this year, um, you know, they might use it. <coughs> they might take it seriously. I think they did some preparation for that game before Kilmele, whereas Kilmele did, as you say, nothing at all. Uh, like Safiq in the Mills also, I could see them having an interest in, in just maybe trying to win it as well because I say a rule, it might mean a bit more to a smaller Rural club, but I don't mean that in terms of, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what I mean is to be silverware at the end of the year if they could win it. So maybe those clubs would would take it reasonably seriously. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a very valid point for a lot of them. You know, those senior players abroad, for they wouldn't have had senior success before the FICA lads would have, would have clear cup medals. But, um, you know, it would be them it would cap a positive or you know cap a positive spin on the year when when they reflect on it and it would be it would be good for Broadford now um unconfirmed reports that um East Clare Fitness has has been temporarily paused this week with Shane McGrath and Aidan Fall going head to head <laughs> at the weekend and the other senior B semi-final so that'll like okay what we're saying it's senior re fecal and the Mills won't want to lose to each other either no. um and again like as I'm saying with, with cap in the year was a on a positive the Mills with the change of management, Connor Dolan would like to 
you know, would like to have a bit of silverware at the end of the year as well, I'd imagine. And, and same thing with PJ Kelleher. He'd be disappointed with how the championship win went for them. So they won the Clare Cup last year. He'd be hopeful maybe they could would collect another trophy in, in, in his second year. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that and we wish the teams well, whatever way it goes in the senior B. And I suppose speaking, as you mentioned, uh, Conor Dolan there, uh, Parik, we'll, we'll turn to uh, Camogie Affairs and, you know, um, the big news in Clare Camogie this week was the announcement of maybe one of the worst kept secrets of all time, that John Camerley is going to be back in as manager, having, you know, relinquished his giant manager position earlier on and uh, Conor Dolan, the other giant manager, gone and all the management pulled out, but I suppose it was the worst kept secret that John Camley back in charge again, uh, Pollock. Yeah, not, um, not a major surprise to, to see John back. That was nearly the, the inkling from the get-go was that John was going to come back. So, um, obviously, from the outset, we, we wish him the best of luck and hope, hope it'll go well for him. But um, it's going to be very interesting. While we know he's there, it'll be very interesting to see who he brings with him. Um, and that's that's going to be the real litmus test for me, I think, from, from the get-go to judge it. It'd be great if we could bring in something fresh with John. You know, John's been there, obviously, before as senior manager, won the Munster title, um, which which hasn't been done since. Um, but, you know, I think the girls would benefit from new voices coming in with him, as opposed to going back to people that have been there in previous setups. Um, and that's no disrespect to anyone that has been involved, but, you know, freshness <coughs> is key to any setup, you know, and we've seen it. You know, one of the greatest Clare managers of modern times, Colin Collins. We've seen him every couple of years. It's let's let's freshen it up. Who's new? Who's the new vices? If he's staying, there's new new people coming in because that's how you keep players. You keep players interested and keep players driving forward is by new vices and new ideas. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, John will 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 offer approach like that. Um, you know, and again, you know, we talk about reflecting back at the end of years and campaigns. Clare had a great battle with, with Cork in the Munster final, but nothing to show for it and ended up in relegation in senior championship. Like, there's no awards or platitudes given out for, oh, he had a great contest or he put it up to him. There's, at the end of the day, it's, it's sport. It's, it's ultimately when it comes to senior and especially in counties about winning and results. It's a results industry. Um, and, you know, we're seeing the Camogie All Star nominees announced this week, none for Clare. Like, that's an indicator. That should be motivation for Jean. And, you know, the girls that, you know, do we actually want to see Claire Camogie at the top table? So I, I, I actually think it is, the appointment has been made, but I think whoever John brings in with him is absolutely essential, Claire Camogie, because we want to entice, as I always say, the best players to play with Claire. Yeah. And if they, they see the setup is, what should I know what such and such is going to say? I've been listening to him or her for four or five years not maybe going to entice them back so it's um, vital and there's pressure on the Camogie board to to make they've gone with the appointment and hopefully it works out but um, you know the proof will be in the pudding Yeah and Paul looking at Clare Club Camogie over the years and <clears throat> up to up to this year and the final to come um, it, it nearly seems pretty clear that the, the quality of player is there for Clare to be highly competitive and uh, but you need all of them to commit. And I suppose, as you said, as you said there, um, you know, everybody will commit if they believe in management and coaching and if they if they, if they see, you know, a good package there. And as you say, and just repeating that what you say is correct, that you have to have a quality of management and coaching that will entice all the players to play for the county. And if that's not there, then we'll, we'll be all surrenders again. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I think that can happen if John, like John, has has proven his ability. I remember <clears> watching; <throat> he was over the Clare Sixteens in the minors. Excellent teams, you know. They got to, I think yeah. they got to an All Ireland final against Galway and Turles. Orla Duggan came through. There was a lot of great players in that team. Orla Duggan, Casey Cahill, um, players of the Ilk, Nevo D. Lot of great players there, so you know he has a track record, and that's he'll be able to convince players in that way. But the real um, strength in his armour would be to have to have quality people around him. And just mentioning, I suppose the club, I'd nearly be a slight bit concerned. There's such a bit of a gap emerging. Like um, you know, I I went and watched as much teams as I could during the championship, and you could see from early on it was going to be Scarpa Gunlow and Truclo Nair in the final. Which is a bit of a con- we've never had it so clear cut. Yeah. I think in clear there was always you could say <coughs> you know it could be between four or five, whereas really from from the get go it was it's going to be Truclanair and Scarfagunla provided they don't meet in the semi final, which is um, a bit of a concern I suppose because we're we're only as strong as our, our club game and while those two teams are absolutely flying it, um, you'd, you'd be a small bit concerned with what's going on with some of the other clubs. Yeah, there's no doubt. And speaking of Scarfa Gunlow and, and through Clanera, and you know, both got Scarfa Gunlow very lucky to get over um, Aina Kilimona the last time. Sorry, in the dying moments, they, they got a, a, a lucky break of a goal from Eshton Cobber that finally sealed it. And uh, Kinmady put up a fair battle against Clanera, only losing about four points. How do you see this final going, uh, Parik? I know we speak from uh, Scarfa Gunlow here, but what we're looking at it, we see uh, through Clanera as really as the very much the farm team. Oh yeah, 100% true. Clonera have been excellent in this year's um, championship. Their their attack is very, very good. Um, Emer Kelly is blitzing most teams. She's coming up against Anya Lachlan, proving to be a handful. Laura Foley, lethal from, from place balls. They're absolutely flying it um, and fairly driven as well. Obviously, the hurt last year, they sent Kim so close, got into replay and came up short again. Um, scared for Gunlow, though, I think what might... What definitely will help them is the skier they got in the semi-final. I think that couldn't have worked out better for them to, you know, to to be sweating, to be sweating to get through it. And, you know, you, mes- you mentioned Ashlyn Corbett's goal. It's a trait of this team. You know, I can still picture Marie Scanlon putting the ball in the, in the net down the Mallow against Drummond. They know how to, like, um, we can't say it's David Sullivan time or it's Alfie Rogers time. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like Fergie time with this scarf one team. They know they can deliver in the dying few moments, whereas... That's that's where I think they can catch Truclanera because Truclanera haven't won it. They haven't won it yet and there's a little chink <coughs> maybe in their self-belief system not to be harping on about psychology again but when the game is in the heat at the moment will they fully believe that they can do the business because I know for a fact Scarfo Gunlow will and they'll back themselves to the hilt. So that's um small nudge towards Scarfo in that sense but um, they they have the job of trying to curb Drupal and our team which are on fire at the minute. Yeah, it's a final we're all looking forward to. We'll preview more of it next week. Uh, Parik, while we have you, one of the big discussions going around and uh, unfortunately it's, it, for all the wrong reasons is regarding uh, referees in, in, in sport at the moment and the abuse uh, referees are getting and whatever about getting abuse but uh, being assaulted in games and it's coming very much to norm around the no, it probably it probably has been going on in different places and we just haven't heard about it. We often heard about referees being put into the boots of cows, especially up around Wicklow and places like that. But Parik, un, unless something is done here to curb all this uh, attitude and you know, violence towards referees, 
we're not going to have referees to referee the games and really the game is going to be in dire straits obviously you can't have a game without a referee but we're not really it's not looking the best way to attract referees into the game at the moment no definitely not it's um it's a big big hurdle to, to try recruit referees which is <coughs> proven to be um proven to be a very difficult task and um in saying that i think the ga themselves haven't helped themselves you know they there was the high profile incident in Roscommon and there was a chance a chance to lay down a marker and send out a message and maybe the message wasn't strong enough the message definitely wasn't strong enough but we've seen we've seen nearly a spate in attacks on referees this year and increasing thankfully not happening happening clear okay, as much. God, yeah. um, but there was an incident um last year or the year before with a soccer referee up in Dublin whereas you know he, he left the field he got abuse and it was called out it was covered in the national media and it kind of put a stamp on it now even though soccer officials are saying abuse of referees is um is still common but they, interestingly enough they've also said what's increased in soccer is abuse administrators so um and the hurling that it, it hasn't been as prevalent though since that has happened in, in, in the soccer whereas the hurling or the Gaelic football in the GA there's nearly been the opposite effect. It's nearly people are going to keep going. Um, and, you know, it just reminds me, we, we were covering a football game doing Big Ennis Diamond, which happened the week after. And just the comments from um, one of the June Big management after was, oh, we can't condone what happened in Roscommon, but kind of nearly saying this referee in Clare was totally not up. You know, he was just referencing the, the instant and that referees need to be good enough yeah. as well. But... You know, Dunbeg had their chance of that, but that's 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 a super structure. <coughs> but um, I, I do think the GA did did hurt themselves in in that sense. But um, very difficult to recruit referees, and like you, know, you kind of have to think, weigh it up at the end of the day. Why would you do it as well if if you're all you're going to be getting is abuse? So we, we nearly do need a culture change. And I was just listening to coverage on um, news talks off the ball this week and it was a good point raised by, by Jerry Gilroy he was talking about the rugby referees and that you know there's a respect in the rugby and kind of putting forward the view that a lot of that is because um, the referees are mic'd up and we can actually hear what the players are saying so there's no player is going to be effing and blind and if it's going to be picked up whereas he said there's a bit of abuse happens in the Premier League because they're not mic'd up it's obviously happening in GA because they're not mic'd up so maybe if that was something implemented at a national level and that, you know, we're seeing the G, it, it's happening at the top press that they're getting respects, obviously there could still be incident locally, but it just needs to be, as I say, a top-down approach with how the GEA <coughs> deals their sanctions, but also on how we, we, we respect referees too. And um, Parik, we had uh, Mike McNamara, uh, the famous the, main, the famous Clare trainer who led, was involved with Clare in 95 and 97 and the great days of 98 as well, uh, was on uh, Saturday Chronicle here last Saturday and he made out the point that, you know, and he played rugby to a high level as well, that maybe it's going to have to go back that to your thought from a young age playing rugby that, you know, you just could not um, say anything to the referee and maybe... Are we going to have to go down maybe that road and start in the schools, Parik, and start at underage? Because, you know, young lads, even at this age, they're, they're not afraid to voice their opinions either. And they'll probably only look at seeing what the following example of what others are doing as well. Does it, is it going to come down to that, Parik, where education of players at such a young age is probably maybe going to have to maybe set a template there as well? Yeah, education is highly important, but particularly at underage, I think the biggest problem is the parents and the management. 
um, they mm. seem to be the ones getting involved more than the, the players itself. And then that's that's your education aspect. If I if you're a young under twelve hurler, one player footballer, and you see it's acceptable for this coach to be coming on, or not that it's acceptable, but that it's tolerated, <coughs> that the coach or parent is given streams of abuse to an official. That's, it has to be stamped out from from the parent side of it as well. So. Um, it, it, that's that seems to be it, and, and for a lot of the time, just talk and to referees and stuff. It's nearly debate and stuff that throwing them in at uh, a junior game is is the better way to start them because throwing them in at underage level, you're exposing them to all this abuse from parents and coaches and management. <coughs> um, you know, so I I really think I suppose we as the GA public need to check our behaviour as well and kind of as you said, Leo, if, if there is no referee, there's no games, and we have. From what I can see, last weekend alone, Jim Hickey had to referee two senior football championship games in the quarterfinals. Like that's telling us straight away we have a shortage of referees yeah. there. Yeah, and I know your father is doing a lot there, uh, doing with, with the referees. And look, at he can only do so much at, at a time. And you know, the assistant referees and that, and trying to bring him up to a higher level. And you know, that's that, that's all for, for the good. And I suppose we all have to, as you said, there has to be a culture change uh, with, with everyone. You know. Because if we don't have the referees, and it, look, it is a tankless job. There's no doubt we've all done it in our time at different times, and we've always given, we've often, we've often given the referees stick as well. <coughs> More often, probably in the wrong. But look, we all need to learn Parik and, and and you know make it a better and a safer place for games, really. Yeah, absolutely. And like you know, we all we can all question referee decision absolutely, but even how we engage with them, like there's no need, no need for me to use foul language if I'm careful question a referee's decision like it's it's little things you know um, and obviously you'll have some people that'll try and influence a referee but it's just you know they stand the stand the sleeve of their jerseys or at least it was give respect get respect and that's the whole like we, we have all these messages they come out but do we actually follow them I don't think we do um, but yeah, I just think it's a case of everyone just then take a step back and realise if we don't have referees we don't have games and where would we be without without the games? And I suppose finally, sorry, finally, Horik, I suppose sometimes it's the carriage you use and sometimes it's the stick. And I think, I suppose, you know, the best of clubs, clubs are in charge of their mentors and their players and sometimes supporters maybe as well to an extent. Um, you know, I think if clubs are hit financially uh, for misdemeanours of their of their mentors on the sideline who do abuse reps or well, physical assault won't even go there, let's say hopefully it doesn't have to be clear. But maybe you have to have the stick of serious punishment that we'll be stuck with and that also maybe referees' decisions aren't rescinded as easily maybe in the future as well. I think that pulls the rug a little bit from the refs as well. Maybe there are two things to be looked at as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think two excellent points, Pat. Like, you... Um, I don't agree with every red card and like obviously the controversial oh, yeah, yeah. ones we, we debate and discuss but it, it does it does you you must you know if you're a referee it, it must feel like you're getting the two fingers from and a lot of the time it's people that haven't refereed in their lives that are the ones deciding to rescind um, you know red cards and suspensions and sometimes there's always a technicality or a loophole that can be found in that sense but I absolutely agree if, if you hit clubs in the pocket you know, this could be the best coach in the club, but if he's getting a fine every single day, the way the cost of living are, the cost is increasing for everything in, in society today. So GA clubs are feeling it too. So um, it might be no harm, but um, I think there would obviously have to be something set up because we couldn't have all the funds going up to Pro Park so that maybe there's um, some sort of, not a swear jar, but something similar that it's, yeah, been, yeah. it's been kept locally or something. Mm. 
Yeah. And Paulie, did you see the initiative that was taken in Wexford last weekend for their games, you know, following the Eden incident down there where it was kind of like the Champions League or the Premiership where <coughs> all the players had to shake hands with the referee before the before the game? I think I heard of it and I believe they're doing um, some sort of a study as well um, up with a, with a college in Dublin, I think, just on the whole behaviour side of it. But I think I think that should be done anyway. Um, you know, it's basic respect, like you're going to you're going to go up and shake your teammates' hands. So, you, you know, I think everyone should make the conscious effort of... Even for the umpires as well, like the umpires get... A, get a, maybe it's it's the goalies like Leo Dial that have a cut off the, off the umpires more. Well, I never said anything. I was always quite polished. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, look, it's... It, you know, we're, as an organisation, the GA is made by volunteers. So, you know, absolutely. Simple thing, just... You mightn't have agreed with everything the referee done, but... You know, to thank him after game, him or her, it's, it's a small thing mm, to do. Small bit of his courtesy anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Parik, the time has caught up on us. Look, you're brilliant to come on and, and talk to us. As we said, good to hear you back on, on the airways. And we look forward to <coughs> a weekend of, of fantastic action as our championships come to come to a close. And, you know, we wish all the players, the management, and all the, definitely all the officials their very best to look uh, this weekend. Parik, it's been good to talk to you again. And thanks a million. Thanks very much, lads. And while I'm here, I just must, uh, it's the only after popping into my head about Pat McNamara questioning my hand passing during the year, but <laughs> I must confirm that it was a, a very legitimate hand pass. Can you confirm Look, that man, I a, was, few mil, a few millimetres there? I, I, was, I was waiting for it. I did say that you would say it was a proper one. <laughs> and that's what counts. I didn't, I didn't say it. I was waiting for it. I said, you're surely going to bring it up. I said, you're gone so far now, maybe he's letting it go. But Is, there, is, is there a slow motion video available, Parry? Oh, yeah, I think we, we had it up on the clubhouse a couple of times. <laughs> 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 Come on, Parik. You have the last word, no, no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, the last word on that one, no fair play to you. If you yeah. say so, that's enough for us. Parik, pleasure to talk to you as always. And, and once again, thanks a million. And we'll see you at games over the weekend. Thanks a million, Parik. And that concludes our Sports Science Show here today on Scarab Bay Community Radio in association with Derek Credit Union on 88.3 FM, 92.7 FM, and on the TuneIn app. And once again, thanks to co-presenter Pat McNamara. Very special thanks to our special guest, uh, journalist Parik McMahon. Thanks also to Jim Collins in the Control Tower. And thanks to you, very you the listeners, for tuning in to us here today on Sportsline. We hope you enjoyed the show. And all that remains is for me, Leo Dial. Until we meet again, it's Bannock Day, August Lawn.